Hi everyone, welcome to Earth Tones. This week I welcome my great friend and fabulous drummer Dave Fox. In our conversation, we talk about Dave's musical beginnings and how he coincidentally met his jazz mentor, the amazing Bob Galati from the band The Fringe, who we nicknamed the Charlie Benakis of drums. We also talked about the responsibility of dedicating yourself to the music and what it was like for Dave to open up for American blues music icon and legend, guitarist Buddy Guy. We talk about the metronome debate and how you can learn something from many different drummers, such as Steve Gadd, Taylor Hawkins, John Bonham, Stuart Copeland, and Neil Peart. It's the spirit behind the drummer that makes the music meaningful and impactful. We talk about Dave's recent work with bands The Gravel Project and AS3, and I even give Dave an on-air astrological reading. Find out what this Leo drummer has in his birth chart. Here's my conversation with Dave. I actually had I actually did a podcast last night for a percussion one that I've been trying to do forever. And the timing just worked out last night. He and I, as a friend of mine from college, could do it. And then I know this has been rebooked because you feeling better, by the yes, way. I know you were sick. I am. Yes. Thank so, you, Dave. I am so, feeling better. <laughs> so this is crazy. But the funny thing is like last night, whatever format we were on, I know you don't need the video, but yes. I had to use like I had to use my readers the whole time. And then tonight, it's fine. Everything looks and sounds fine. So I don't know what's going on. But, <laughs> that but, is awesome. You know, I keep thinking I might make a compilation reel with like a little teeny clip of each of the videos since I have them. Okay. I would have to go through my downloads though. Okay. So, and I, who knows when I'm ever going to do that. You know, I can only concentrate on one thing at a time. Right. And so you're only fi- taking, you're only taking audio from I'm this. I'm taking so. the audio, even though okay. we're actually sitting here face to face. Right. It's all I can manage these days. You know what I it do. is. You have a family. I sure do. You, I know. You You're totally. Telling... Oh my God. Speaking of family, um, I'm afraid to ask, but is Dorian like a sophomore in high school? How old is he now? You're close. He is a freshman this year. Right. And, Celeste um... is in eighth grade. She'll be going to high school next year. Oh, so it's both crazy. of these kids will be in high school. How did how did this happen? It's you crazy. Know? I it's remember crazy. little Dorian. You know, and I bet he's huge now. So he is so huge, and I he's... can imagine. He is huge um, and in personality as well, as you oh, can imagine. Yes. Yes. Um, my little Sagittarius, which you can relate to being a, a fire sign to Leo, which we're going to yes. get to later. Okay. But let me back up a little bit. Sure. Um, I, am, I am so incredibly happy to welcome to Earth Tones today my friend and amazing drummer I've had the pleasure of working with. I'm speaking with Dave Fox. Welcome, Dave Fox, to Earth Tones. Thank you. Happy to be here. So Dave, Dave is a touring drummer, an educator, and a staple of the New England music scene. He's also what I like to, well, I don't know if I invented this, but he carries he carries the legacy of the Waltham sound because i know you've <laughs> i know you've you've studied with bob galati from the fringe for people who don't know who um the amazing drummer um 
that unfortunately we've lost. Um, I know you studied with Bob, but we'll get to all that. So mm -hmm. Dave, Dave, yes. take, take us back to your beginnings, how you got into music and playing drums. What was your upbringing like? Is there other musicians in your family? Just give us a little background. Um, so there, yeah, my brother played the drums. Actually, we all, I'm from a family of five. I'm the youngest of five. And uh, we all played an instrument. We were all in, involved. My mother was really um, into us being involved in music. My brother may have, I think we all tried sports. Like I remember trying Little League and I remember doing track like in middle school. But I, I think it was clear that I was not set out to be um, good at, at team sports. So my mother <laughs> signed me up. And this was, you know, it's not that long ago, but it's long enough ago that, and it was from a big family, which is a little bit less common now, that um, kind of was like you had to pick a thing early on and that was your thing. That was what was mm. encouraged. So my brother was a drummer um, first. Mm -hmm. My two sisters played violin. Um, my oldest sister, Marianne, was very into music. She still is. And uh, so there was music around with the siblings. And then um, long story short, because I feel like, um, well, maybe because I just told the story recently, but I feel like it always comes up. I started on violin, then cello. Oh, you did? Yes. And then I didn't switch to the drums till going into high school. So about our kid's age now or Celeste's age now. So because my parents thought when I came home and wanted to sign up for the drums, they were like, oh, you just want to do that because your brother plays the drums, which of course I did. And um, it's super cool instrument. Uh, absolutely. Yes. But they were like, they were very into <laughs> the fact. And I'm sure as a child, I probably <clears throat> was one of those kids that got into stuff and you know how kids are, they get into it and then they're not into it. And then, so um, they were very intent on me being um, dedicated to something. So it, it was um, violin and then cello, which I liked to an extent. I liked the fact I was involved in music, but it wasn't the music I really, you know, I really wanted to play rock music. I wanted to be in Kiss or Van Halen or, you know, not really Rush. I didn't discover Rush or Led Zeppelin yet or The Police, but just I was playing cello and like really into those bands and like was like either wanted to play yeah. something like you couldn't play a violin or cello in the, in those bands. I did enjoy though. I, I enjoyed the, the the music part of it. So long story short, um, when I was going into high school, uh, my mother signed me up. They needed people for the marching band, and they signed up all the you know you, the the fine arts department would recommend kids. So I got recommended to join the marching band, and my mother signed me up without asking me because mm -hmm. she was like, "You're just you're going to do this. You're going to do something disciplined." absolutely the you're drums going, yes you're going to do something you're not going to go into high school not <clears> doing <throat> anything which um we both know now how good that is because um it's such they a tough, over schedule them now well they over schedule and it's it's a it's a you know it's a tough time when you're transitioning <clears throat> from middle school to high school because you're you know depending on yeah what you're, you're like it's you're it's a overwhelming you're trying to thing. figure out what your thing is whatever right. that and, is and i think kids that are in sports and team sports have known all these other kids across the city for many years you know so they have a connection and they're going into high right. school affiliated with the team and a system so it was really smart of my mother so she signed me up they sent me out to this band camp and um 
uh, I got put in the percussion section. And um, as soon as I started um, playing, I, I absolutely loved it. And um, I came home and I was like, I want to play the drums now. And then my parents were like, you know, it was great because they were, they were like, okay, awesome. We'll sign you up for lessons. Are you going to, I'm like, I'm going to commit to this. Yeah. And um, so they signed me up and I got my brother's old kit. So I would play that every day after school. And um, I played the marching band and I did, Super I cool. still did the orchestra. I did the string orchestra for two years in high school. And then by sophomore year, I had taken drum lessons. Um, I was I now in the marching band. Who did band. you study with? Who was I like studied your... with the, yeah, I studied with a teacher called Walter Tokarczyk, who was a very influential Waltham teacher. He taught in the um, the public schools for years and years. He taught my brother. So oh. I think he took me on because he taught my brother. Very disciplined, old school teacher, very, um, which was huge. And um, yeah. he, his big claim of fame is the drummer, Mike Mangini, who's also from Waltham. Sure. Okay. Oh, I didn't Walter, know that though. Yeah. Walter was his teacher growing up. So like, oh. this is, and even back then, this was like, Mike was a local star. He wasn't world famous, you know, extreme wow. frog phenomenon. So it was, you know, Mr. Takarzik would always be like, you know, Mike Mangini and he had a few other guys yeah. and he, he would, he would always drop these. So there was a, <laughs> there was a legacy with studying with him. And um, he was, he was, a great, he was, Allison, he was an amazing teacher because he actually, I don't, I know he taught me a lot about the drums and he really encouraged me, yeah. but like he took me during some of those formative years in high school. And I don't know if you could even do this nowadays, but he like, I remember private lessons with him. Mm -hmm. We did no playing and he would lecture me on um, trends in behavior he was seeing. Wow. It was not becoming of uh, uh, the way you want to act, you know, right. like because I was right. a teenage kid doing dumb stuff with teenage boys do and hanging out with other knuckleheads. And he would pull me in a, 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 a you know, practice room. I'd be like, yes. oh, I'm here for my lesson. He's like, great. Sit down. And he wanted to talk. Oh, no. He, he talked at me. There was he no. <laughs> he's like, hey, so I heard this happened. And I heard that happened. And he's like, and let me tell you something. And like, it was a half hour of that. And I was like, wow. But that's I, those so are... interesting because I see cats doing that today, like high level cats, like on other instruments, like that, that how that's an important part of it actually is to make time for the talking at, or at least two, you know, like giving some philosophies. Of course, you're going to do the rudiments and the paradiddles and mm -hmm. there's a lot of academics to it but what you're saying is that like you remember a lot of the lesson being dialogue or at least uh yeah lecture. and, and yeah. what it did which was great because it paved the way for like my next two teachers and bob especially on a different level you know musically and art wise oh, yeah. but it paved the way that like this was a, a, a big deal. This is a, a, you know, this is a great responsibility. If you're going to be a musician and you're going to study music or just, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with, with uh, working on being a good human as well. So that, that was, I, I am forever grateful for that. Um, because I love that. Yeah. He was really, he was, and I think about him a lot when I teach, you know, and I think about all my teachers actually. And same. Um, 
right? They all come back. It's like the way your parents come back when you parent. <laughs> it's it's so true. It's like a look of this blueprint that's there that you can draw from, you know, and it's a living, it's a living thing. That's true. Those lessons. I definitely remember, um, you know, so how, the way I was taught some of my base teachers and I find myself doing the same thing. And uh, that's super cool. And that makes sense, you know, because um, I definitely see that in your in your teaching also the importance of kind of, you know, remembering the history of your instrument and the and the traditions and the other the other people who've paved the path and also to have this respect for what you're doing because with great fun comes great responsibility, responsibility. right? Absolutely. It's so true because it it's so it easy to get. We know in music, you know, so many people can get sidetracked from all kinds of things. And, uh, and yeah. No, you can. And, um, you know, the thing I, I think you, you're learning is that talent and 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 there's talent and there's ability and then there's how you are as a person and and sometimes like it it, it doesn't meet where you, you think it, it does and you have to do what's right for you so like and that was like like back to mr takarzik walter yes. Tukarzik, that was his big lesson was like you know that for me he was always like putting it back to like you're thinking it's okay to act a certain way because of the people you're running with and you know you're getting certain you're getting good at what you're doing so you're you're trending in a way that's not who you are as a person you know right. and, and you're and, practicing and, yeah but well and he meant that like you know you can't you can't start acting like a jerk because you're getting good at something um, right and and these things kind of happen or, or you, you become just because you're good at something. And that's actually what was happening. Like I was, you know, getting decent at something along with other people. So yeah. we were, were being, you know, we we're being kind of rude and, and, and thinking that things didn't pertain to us. Like, you right. know, Hey, everybody needs to do this. Everyone in the ensemble needs to be here at a certain time or this and that. And we were like, ah, we can do what we want because they need us. And, you know, like really right. dumb, teenage stuff and it's but, a lot of sitting around for the drummer a lot of the time yeah, yeah so goofing you off learn, and, you have to learn how to be patient yeah and like you know just doing while everyone know, so, tunes for an hour and a half right and so you get you start <laughs> right so you start tapping on shit you tapping know, or throwing like, pencils or right. you know like yeah uh, that's that's the mild side of it but like <laughs> but it's um so true. but long story short like it didn't take much like i i really snapped to it and um respected where he was coming from and yeah it was really great so and and he was a perfect segue to at least at some point or maybe your next teacher bob galati well teenager or? well before i met bob around yeah. that time when i was a teenager and he was super cool and he was just this cool dude and and i met him because a, a kid i knew in the, the band um, who i played in a band like a band outside of the music department like you know, we had a band and I right. we rehearsed at his house and Bob was like his neighbor. Oh. So Bob came over to help us make a, a four track recording. Nice. And um, right. He came in. This is how cool he was. And I was scared to death because I the legend of, of Bob Gulati came in. And, you know, so this was like early 90s, maybe late 80s, early 90s. And he came down and 
you know, total Bob, like the smoke, smoking a cigarette. Wait, what's happening, man? What are you cats doing? Yeah. And I was just like, oh, man. And what he did is he hung out and he helped us make this four track. Do you remember? Oh, I don't know. Like on a Fostex. Uh, exactly. I was going to say task cam, but remember yeah. you would do that with your band and you would try and bounce it and it would all yeah. like. But he was helping us. He was like, all right, because we had horns and he, he was helping us in this like really positive and constructive way like he didn't come in and be like hey man i just played over in europe with the fringe right i don't know what you kids are thinking you know and if he had done that exactly. like that would have been warranted too but, right but, but he, he was like that he, he i'll never forget and he's a and jazz he, guy and so the funny thing is like i had to start one of the songs with like a drum fill and i was like i remember i went and i like i i like uh i missed it or i couldn't do it just because i was like ah and he was he was like, he came over to me and he was like, hey, man, you sound great. He's like, don't, you know, man, just, so just cool. relax and start it. And I played great afterwards. And he gave me a couple of um, really big picture constructive comments. And um, so then afterwards, he's like, hey, he goes, we ought to listen to this on like a real system. So he mm. brought us all to his, which I ended up spending years in later where he taught his system. And he played it like on his stereo and um, then he was showing us all his, you know, jazz records and he was showing me like, he was so cool. But you know what he said to me that day? I'll never forget it. Like, he's like, so what's your story, man? You're, you know, you're like 16. Are you thinking of going to Berkeley? And I said, no, I don't know. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, I just know I like, I swear to God, I said this. It sounds so cheesy, but I was like, I know I just, I was like. I just like playing. Yes, exactly. I was like, I yeah. just like playing. The, I just like playing. And you're still drums. like that. Yeah. Sure. And he was like. I go, I just really would love to play the drums someday for a living. And he was like, you will. And I remember he had like the cigarette. He's like, yeah, man, you will. You know, and um, and then so Super years cool. later, like years later, like uh, after college, um, I was going to college and studied there and did like the marching man and the drum corps thing. And that was my second teacher, Tom Hannum, in the program there, which was also hugely influential, which kind of walter had set me up for but that was a whole nother thing hmm. it's something i got really into and then i went got out of college moved back down here was playing in some bands and i was working a day job and then um i went to i want it wasn't the lily pad it was before the lily pad so it was either the lizard lounge i don't think it was the willow i know i, I got into a thing of going to see the fringe like a lot of people did so probably right. was the, and I, I know a couple times was the lizard lounge the people were mm -hmm. like, you got to come see the fringe. And I was like, right. And at this time too, I was kind of like wanted, like I was could play, but I was like, there is real holes missing in what I hear and what I want to play. And I just, I, you know, you know, when you're like, I need yeah. something. I need and something. I, and, and I went and yeah. saw the fringe and I instantly was like, I have to study with Bob. Mm. I was like, this is, this is what I've been looking for. You know, I went the front and my like my jaw was on the floor. And I remember thinking like, oh, my God, idiot. You met this guy like years ago and, right. and you didn't you didn't realize who how deep this was, you know. Right. So I went up and I talked to him on the break and he was like, yeah, man, I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and um, I said, I, I need to start studying with you. And he's like, I got one slot. He's like, call me at 11 a.m. tomorrow. And I did. I called him. And then he was like, yep, Monday, six o'clock. And that was my time for years. I six o'clock like, at night? Six at night on a Monday. All right. That's that's a good time. That was my spot with him. And I felt like I had that all during my 20s. You know, like 
uh, years. And then even like it was heavy the first few years. It was, I did it every week for a very long time. And um, the first year with Bob, it was so intense. I would practice. I mean, I was in a band and I worked, but mm -hmm. I would, I got out of the job I had like at four and I had, we had a practice space over in the South end and I, I could walk to it because I worked in Boston and um, I would play, I felt like I would play from like five till whenever, you know, and um, right. into the night. And those are, yeah. And those are, yeah. and those, you know, like everyone has a, a yeah. couple of time couple in their of life years they, like that. Intense. The most intense practice. Yes. Because yes. He, and I would practice all week. I think the band would rehearse like a couple times. And I would take Monday. Monday would be the only day I wouldn't practice because that would be my lesson. I would mm -hmm. build up to this lesson and yeah. that would like, you know, be the thing. And but That's a good it was, schedule. It was heavy though. It was heavy with him. And he understood that I wanted it to be heavy. And he, he was really, um, it was intense. It was intensely heavy. It was um, a lot of work. Oh, and, yeah. I and, bet. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of, you know, study with Charlie Bonacus. It's like, I've always yeah. said that when people talk about that, I really think that mm -hmm. Bob was the Charlie Bonacus of the drums. Yeah. I, I, really, I really think so because he had a full-blown master concept, right? And everybody went through the same stuff. And right, everybody the same system and, and everybody has like kind of the same experience, but also at the same time, he all of the his whole system developed everybody to s seek their own path. Like the biggest thing I realized, right. actually, the biggest thing I realized when Bob passed, although he did tell it to me a year or two earlier, I had a great conversation with him and we were talking actually about how many drummers in town had studied with him. And I was, you know, and a lot of these guys are close friends of mine now, you know, mm -hmm. like, you know, a community of us. And, and um, I said, yeah. yeah, you know, there's this guy and this guy and this guy's playing with X. And, and he's like, yeah, man, he's like, I'm, cause I'm proud of all you guys. And he goes, you know what the, he goes, that. Hey man, you know, you know, the thing I'm the most proud of, he's like, none of you cats sound alike, mm. not a one. He goes, you all sound different. Yeah. And he was really proud of that because I think all of us who studied with him, wanted like our goal was to sound like him for a short period of time like we all wanted to be him right whether we knew it or not but i bet mm -hmm. if you ask anybody say there was a period you definitely wanted to sound like yeah Bob. but yeah. you developed your own sound despite that which was his goal probably was right and, and i think like knowledge but for you to take it and make it your own right and it took me a long time to to be okay like he was telling me that for years and kind of always I didn't hear it for a while you know mm -hmm. because I was I was hell-bent on 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 doing such a good job with what he was thing you know and right. like I would always think it was like a little bit of a slight he would be like like I'd be work I would be working really hard at the jazz stuff and really hard at the free stuff which I love yes he'd he be like man you're a really good he would be like you're a really good funk player man he's like you're really good with that tower of power stuff and I would be like kind of a little bummed because I, I would be like, man, that's the stuff I knew before I went right. to you. Right. And he would always bring it back up and he would always bring up. He's like, oh, man, you're great with the marching band stuff. But it sounded also like you had a passion to kind of explore jazz, too. I oh, think. no, I did. I yeah. did. And, and, and then maybe that's what it was, you know, and he well, kind and of appeared. That's teacher. exactly right. Yeah. And I, I wanted to. I was so into jazz, but like I hadn't been through the proper like mentorship and training and study like 
Yeah, know. it's a different thing. I really hadn't like because I didn't go to music school for jazz. Mm -hmm. I didn't even. I mean, I, I when I went to UMass, I got another degree and, and did the marching stuff. So yep. when I came out of UMass, like Bob, then became my grad school, and like I felt like I did like two two degrees worth of work with him because it was so long. It and takes it was so all week just to finish whatever right, and, and and I did some it, to get it done. And it was a true thing. And I and you know, I'll, I'll never forget like the day he was finally like, "You actually swing now," you know. And it was, <laughs> I remember the first time because <laughs> he's nice. like, "Man, it's it's really starting to happen." And then he was just like, "It's still terrible, but it's happening." You know, like that. I love that. That's it funny. was great. So Dave, so Dave, you play like all the time. I've seen you play with so many people. Um, I was just like writing down names and trying to think of people I've seen you play with. Um, Gracie Curran. Yep. And Lydia Warren. Yep. And I love uh, Stan Strickland, the saxophone. I just play, I just play with Sam oh Friday night. Oh, really? I haven't, awesome. I haven't seen Gracie and uh, Lydia in a couple of years because they both live in Memphis now. Understandably. And yep um gracie's up and around gracie and i um i love gracie and uh, she's really good too and lydia too i met actually i met it's so funny how you can trace You're all so this talented. stuff so i met gracie through lydia i met lydia through chris ravelli all of these different people you've played with has led you to some some touring and i know you've done a bunch of touring with tom hambridge yep that led you to open for uh buddy guy is that right yeah, we did. Um, so with Tom, um, our, I've been, so Tom, so for people that don't know, uh, Tom Hambridge is, he's actually a drummer and he was around this area for a very long time mm -hmm. and he was very successful. He actually started uh, with Susan Tedeschi. He helped her kind of career. He was also, he's also a producer and a songwriter, which is what he's more famous for. Um, he lives in Me uh, Nashville, not Memphis. Okay. And he, um he's always been he had a band around here in the 80s called th and the wreckage mm -hmm. and then it became t uh tom hambridge and the rattlesnakes in the 90s and our good friend sven larson was playing bass for him so nice. tom was looking so what tom was do tom's a drummer but when he does his band he fronts the band you know and sings cool. and then he'll play a little bit of drums but he needs a you know he needs another drummer so that's oh wow i didn't know that he was a drummer yeah. Oh, yeah. He's so a he knows drummer. what you're doing back there. Oh, yes, he does. Yeah. Um, so Sven got me on this gig about 2009. And so I, I've been working on and off with Tom. And I only say on and off because Tom is so busy. He doesn't do the rattlesnakes as much. He's actually Buddy Guy's full-time drummer right now. He's oh, wow. Buddy Guy's producer and Buddy's drummer. And he's touring with them right now. Amazing. But with Tom, um, we would do... We have done some amazing shows opening up. We did a stint with George Thorogood about 10, um, what, when, how long is 2009? That's and right, 10? I remember. Wow. Yeah, we did a bunch of shows with them. Um, From the bed to the bone. Exactly. Yeah. We did um, We did a few dates with Leonard Skinner. Um, and then the big Tom with Tom, I did these things called these legendary rhythm and blues cruises, which are incredible because yeah. one, they're oh in the God. Caribbean. So I've been right. in the Caribbean, like all over the Caribbean, like five times with Tom, and um, I've been to Europe with Tom. I've been to wow. uh, Switzerland, and I've been to Vancouver. I just these Super really cool, cool opportunities um, have come up. You know, a week here, a fly out here, but and he's super. I mean, 
he's an incredible human. He's super good to me. Uh, we've great relationship, great relationship. I think with anyone he works with and I've met so I've had the opportunity to play with so many, the guys in his band alone was oh, yeah. an amazing opportunity to play with. And then, um, but it goes back to what your teachers were saying too, how it's so important to be a good person, like, you know, as a band leader or in the band, right. like you gotta be, it's, it takes more than good chops to get these gigs too. You got to be like easy to work with or change on the fly or, you know, just kind of be open to correction or whatever Absolutely. it is. Right. And All Tom is very, things. you know, he's coming from a different place. Right. But he is as disciplined and serious about his music as everyone else we've talked to. So again, there was, you know, there was a bit of, uh, a learning and you know i was the what younger. was expected of you absolutely like a standard of and that was a learning experience because stylistically when i first started playing tom i was coming heavy from what we just spoke about jazz and yeah. playing free music and some other stuff and at first i was kind of like all right this is this stuff i got this and it really was made very clear to me quickly like this is this music deserves a hundred percent of your focus just as like that does. And that was an amazing lesson to be reminded of. And I think that really, um, go back to the roots, you know, well, and, yeah. And just, comes from. you know, it really was, was great and, and great that I was able to learn that lesson and grow into it at the same time. Like, you know, be with these guys who were heavy in what they did and gave me a chance to be like, Oh yeah, you got to bust your butt at this stuff too. Right. So with Tom, we, on a few of those cruises, we vote, we open for people like Buddy Guy and Bobby Rush. And then um, Buddy has sat in with us before. Buddy came and joined us for a song on stage, which was amazing. And then we went out right before the pandemic. We went to um, Buddy's club in Chicago legends and we played mm -hmm. and then Buddy played. And that was just an amazing night. You know, and then we get to hang with Buddy Guy, and and he's in his eighties now. That I mean, that how long yeah. ago was that? That was, was in... twenty twenty, so that was two years ago. Wow! And uh, right before, I mean, this was one of my last gigs before, before COVID. Before COVID, and um, it was great. And I mean, he is he is not just a living legend of music; he's an American icon. Wow! You know, Buddy Guy. For those who don't know is one of the last Chicago real blues. generation of Chicago blues. Yeah. He's one of the last ones. Yeah. And his story is amazing. So there's a couple of great documentaries out there about him. And his book is amazing. He's the son of sharecroppers. I mean, wow. so think about that. Amazing. And he is, without him, there is no Rolling Stones. There is, you know, Hendrix got Eric a lot. Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton, absolutely. All of that, that British you know blues british invasion or yeah. the blue british blues yeah it's so and they, true and they all hold him in such high regard you know so like it's it's really it's it's again one of those cases where we have this american cultural icon oh. you know and, and we're so lucky and, to be in this the lifetime of, with the with 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 buddy guy absolutely to be living and being musicians at the same time as him i remember seeing some video um of him of his performance that you were on a gig i think doing the blues uh tour 
And I was just like, oh my God, Fox is like chilling out. And there's Buddy Guy, like amazing, you know, like what a gig. That must yeah. have been, that must have been tremendous to meet him. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, um, so that was Tom's gig and Buddy came up and, and did, a, did a song with us. Did a song with you guys. Yeah, it was great. You know, I was and, like, and, he, and he's, he's a giving person. He does that for a lot of people. Oh, he seemed like he loved it, like just yeah. as much as he always did. You and he does that I mean? at his club. Like, you know, when people open up for him, he'll come out and, you know, he's That's uh, super um, cool. Yeah, very cool. So, Dave, um, so let's talk a little bit about. So, you're also a, a really active educator um, on drums. And I am so fortunate that you were my son's drum teacher for, I think, seven or eight years. Wow. And yeah, can you believe it's that, that no, long? Oh my God, so many members. Well, it's the process as a parent, yes. that just the day in and out, you know, yeah. whatever wow. act to bring or just the, watching the whole journey is so wonderful. But, you know, there's um, there's all different th things out there, but uh, what, do you, what do you think of this? You've, I'm sure, heard some famous, um, very famous, talented musicians talk about this the the idea of the metronome versus no metronome like the importance of good time is 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 so important absolutely and, and no I, I firmly i firmly firmly believe in a metronome same. firmly yeah um, i love it it's like fun it is fun and i think it's essential for your playing i think yeah um and i've actually the older i've gotten and the, the more experienced i've gotten mm -hmm. the more into um using it yeah. and there are some gigs where it does not call for it and i understand what you're saying i understand like there's people saying if you're always relying on a metronome you're not building up your inner clock like it's kind of like you're using training wheels and, and i don't buy that i think that the metronome will lead you to strengthen your inner clock I, that's right I, so and you Here's need to check ins because we're not we're I don't think we're perfect. Like even when you think you've got it, it's like, wait a minute, what happened? I had coffee today. Oh, no, and exactly. And yeah. you have tendencies. And I don't think there's anything oh, yeah. wrong with that. So if that's right. If if adrenaline takes over to bigger show or you you know, but but yep. two clicks or, or counting off the wrong tempo hmm. is the difference between whatever you're trying to do being good and great you know and absolutely i i understand that there's some things you're into where it just it doesn't allow for it and it is what it is you go out and you play a live show and it's one two and a bang 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 high energy you know or someone else is in charge and that's fine right but i know like for me collective what i've really gotten into especially with, with my with gravel project this band my band yeah. um is we're pretty we're we're really serious about tempo like and it to the point, like, I mean, we have a set list and we have the metronome markings. We nice. have the metronome. We all know them. And then I, I spot check them pretty regularly throughout the show or when we're playing every yeah. gig. We That's got in a habit cool. of doing that. And um, we almost got into the fun of it. We almost got into the I love fun. That. And then, like, you know, because um, at first it almost seemed like we were being too anal about it and being like, you know, ah. Uh, you know, we heard a, something back. We heard a, a gig back and we're like, wow, that is jacked up. Like, why is that so fast? Right. And then we would check it and it's like, wow, that's like eight clicks faster than what right. it should be. And it's, oh, that's and, a super cool, that's a super cool thing that pe more people should be more disciplined about. Well, that. and here's kind of what happened is, so I went to see Steve Gadd at Scholars a few years back. Um, 
and I can't remember if this was before or after I started doing this. And I didn't always do this, by the way. Like, I was always confident my time was good. And then it, you start to um, have some experiences where things don't go the way you want or the gigs aren't the way you want. So just like anything, you can go through a period. You're like, maybe it's not as good as I thought or what's happening. Sure. And then so I just was like, at one point, I was like, forget it. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to leave no stone unturned. I'm going to be working, you know, with it all the time. I'm going to give into it. And um, we... Yeah, I, 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 some... I agree. I agree. I, I remember um, having a, a bass teacher. They had us catalog like 50 or 60 songs, what the, you know, metronome marker, markings were, just right. to bring your awareness to it. Because it really does make a difference, like what the speed is, a couple of clicks, or yeah. how you want to put it over. You know? Right, and 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 when you're when you're aware of what you do, like I know when I used to play a lot of weddings, like I like I used to like hate metronome markings because it was so stressful yeah. because you're trying to go from one song to another and right, they don't want you to stop. Yeah, and I yeah. I got like really weird about it, but mm. I I thankfully like was able to then embrace it again, and I really enjoy it. And it's never a bad thing if someone's like, hey, it's yeah. too fast. I'm, I don't take it as a personal assault. Right. I'm just like, yeah, it's too fast. Like, well, like, what should it be? Right. You know? Right. So do, they, back... do you even know what you want it right. to be? You know? And that's okay. Like, check it out. And then even if you're like, hey, I know it's supposed to be 118, but I kind of want to go out and just play, you know, let's let the music go where it goes. Great. Yeah. You've made that choice. Good to do both. Least... Exactly. So I went and saw Steve Gadd. And I had front row seats. This is at Scholars with his band. And he, between every song, you know, he's is killing, by the way. It was just, it's everything you'd think it would be Steve Gadd, right? Oh, yeah. He, he's kind of a quirky dude. And between each, each song, I noticed he's like putting in an earbud. Like, like I got him right now. Like, he's like putting it in and he's like wincing and he's doing something. And like after the second time he did it, I figured out what he's doing. He's got, he's got like a metronome right next to you know on his little stand next to the hi-hat and he's he's checking his he's checking wow. the tempo yeah and it and he's not being subtle about it after a while he's like really checking it and waiting before he he counts in yeah and i said to myself i said man wow you know steve gad the the greatest time in the world you know i didn't i didn't think he would he would do you know he's so and then I, open with it right and then i was like of course like right of course, that's of course why he he's would. that's why he's Steve Gadd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. And I loved it. It it really inspired me, and I was like, right, if Steve, if that's good enough for Steve Gadd, you better believe that's good enough for you. Absolutely, so you, it's good you to see. You know, that. that's so important that he did like show that side of him because there are other drum professionals like yourself there watching him, realizing. Of course, he's he's checking the metronome markings because he's a human being, you know. And, and he's the type of guy that, if you were to ask him, he's like he probably would be like, "Yeah, man, I gotta get this right for everybody." That's you know, right. like because it's, there's room. it's that responsibility thing. Yeah, man. he's like, "There's a whole room of drummers here, man. I gotta get you know, like that's what he would say." And he's he's right on. So it was so cool, you know. And also, as educators, it's important to pay homage to to the people who came, you know, before us. And um, I wrote down a couple of couple of drummers, you know. Um, well, for one, from you mentioned Rush earlier, Neil Peart. I know you've sure. always been a huge fan, and just the legacy that he has left for drummers is just unbelievable. 
and there's something in it for everybody. I think you they're like I remember you trying to show Dorian some like rush stuff like way before you could handle it just because he wanted to. You know, well, what I mean? yeah, I think I was showing right because he came in and he was like, yeah. I want to learn this, right. and I was like, all right, well, let's let's at least put it on. I think exactly. um. So the rush thing is is very interesting, and I, I I'm sure there's so there's thousands of people who will say the same thing, and and I try actually not to talk about it a, like a lot because I find that like it's not everybody's cup of tea, and then I I find too that um, some people you know if you if you talk about your influences a lot, some people start to think that that's what you're gonna try and do, or they try and make an assumption on the way you actually play based on that. So like if, you know, like some people like won't want to hear that. So, cause they're right. afraid that like, I'm going to come on a gig and play a million fills right. and bring this humongous drum kit. And I think more than anything, that's not really what inspires me about Neil. Neil was a very personal thing cause it was when I first started playing drums and I'm sure that a lot of the people who like him, it's the same reason. And mm -hmm. I've thought about this a lot because, you know, obviously he passed, so he's not around anymore. So you, yeah. it's it, once someone passes, you're looking at exactly what you said. You're looking at a legacy, not a living thing anymore that creates. Right. So in the one hand, it's kind of sad. And on the other hand, it's like you, that's what you have of, of, of them left. Right. So, and, you know, you kind of wish you appreciated it more when they were here that they could actually do it. But you have it. So, and for me, just like some of those albums are real personal because they're a real imprint in me musically and life-changing. During a period of your life. Of course. Yeah. And I could not play any of it. Yeah. And honestly, I, I probably didn't understand a lot of it more than the spirit of it. And more importantly, what was great about it is the music to me, it, I knew even before I knew how to play a lot of it, it required a lot of skill and discipline and creativity. Oh, and yeah focus to do it and at the time that's how I was being taught and mm -hmm. that's what was I already told you so that's what was being presented to me that this is an important thing you're doing yes and then I got connected to this music and I was like wow so here's this like hard rock music that's a little rebellious in terms of the fact like you know my parents didn't like it and my right. older brother loved it yeah and that was another thing is like you know he passed it on to me mm -hmm. um, but I think like it, it for me, like I wasn't like a, a, a long hair wild drummer, you know, I, I looked exactly the same. So I was like, but Neil was that he was like, he was very know, intellectual this, and he like was this poetic. short haired guy that read books and was not, yeah. you know, did not he who so, uh, you know, like it was you in a Neil. There's a lot to admire. And you're into John Bonham, too, who I also love, oh you know, God. but John Bonham was this larger than life rock yes. star manly personality you know that but was still in... very like kind of cerebral like, absolutely right? yeah, yeah absolutely you know i mean you but a lot of people just were like thought of him as this wild character and it's like well no you yeah. don't get that good without the, the seriousness of it but neil like definitely like you know if if you were for lack of a better word if you're kind of dorky neil was like your hero because he was this rock star he was yeah. one of the world's most famous drummers it, and he was a shy person. He wrote you know, all the not, lyrics. For not Rush. that I was a shy person, but like, I don't know. He just kind of gave right. hope to, or gave you the um, 
kind of a stepping stone. And actually, so he was like my first drum hero in a lot of people's. And then I, everything I jumped to after that kind of made sense. Then I got really into David Garibaldi, who's like a lifelong hero and, and his approach to funk and soul music, which led me down that. And then obviously once you get yeah. into jazz, jazz has got a highly intellectual side or a highly skilled, oh, yeah. like, you, you know, so like Tony Williams, you I absolutely you Tony, yeah. love Tony Williams, Elvin Jones. Elvin Jones and I saw absolutely. Elvin Jones. Pete and I saw Elvin Jones uh, in the '90s. I think was it the night? Yeah, like the early '90s at the Regatta Bar. He was awesome. He was awesome. And the funny thing is, though, I find a lot of drummers that are great. It's like a lot of great jazz drummers or guys that you know don't play in a band don't sound like they're, you know, they're not in a Rush tribute band, but like you find these guys and they're totally like Rush fanatics. Oh, really? You know? Like, yeah. And it's, it's always like kind of refreshing, but like, yeah, not unlike what I found with Bob. I think the thing is, is you see what Neil did and then you're like, okay, well, I, I don't want to do that. I just right. want that spirit um, and, you know, and, and do something different, but like, you know, that's true of, the spirit of it and also um i know you were a um a taylor hawkins fan and saw him play with alanis right i did i mean i wasn't a is a hum you know i appreciated taylor hawkins i mean yes I, th I think more like i always kind of appreciated his energy and i thought he was like a great exactly that's what drum. made me think of him like the energy and the spirit behind the person like well like you and were saying what earlier, was great is is too. a teacher now now that we're kind of you know, we're a couple generations above students. He was someone I would point a lot of students to. Mm. You know, when students are learning how to play rock music or learning how to play the drums, because a lot of popular music, um, you know, a lot of it is, it's hard for them, like... Right, it's all drum machines. When we were stuff. growing up, it was not hard to hear a drum. Uh, hear a, That's a right, great the separation of all the instruments, right? It was, it, it was, it was very, very easy because it was either, you know, all of top 40 radio was, was actually live drums and there was still like quintessential drum heroes everywhere, either on MTV or on the radio or albums or what people were talking about. I mean, so like you know the police were when i was a kid like this wildly popular band i was talking about it with a student tonight like i you know i said i was having them play to every breath you take so you know they could really That's learn how tune. to lock in yeah literally learn lock, lock in with the a very solid rock beat and they were kind of like yeah this song's interesting i know this song it's an old song i was like yeah it's an old, <laughs> old song i said you know when i was a kid and i said and so we started talking about Stuart copeland and i said and then the, I was wrapping up the lesson and the, the father was very into it. And he said, yeah, so should we listen to any other Stuart Copeland? I said, you should listen to absolutely everything Stuart Copeland's ever recorded because oh, it's brilliant and, it's, and they're some of the best sounding drums, right? And I said, well, the, the other thing was like every breath you take, this was, a, was everywhere. It was like a wildly popular song in the 80s, you know? Very. And oh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's... I, I think now it's not as easy for people to hear. I mean, I have children too, so it's, you know, they're to find into a, a lot To find lot kind of, of a music. modern day. So um, I thought, I yeah. thought Taylor and the Foo Fighters, you know, were always a great example of like, you know, when a student is, is trying to find rock that's out there, I would say that there, I said, there's someone you should check out. There's a, there's a, um, that's a good point. I see what yeah. you're saying. And, and I mean, I did, I saw him, 
I saw him one of my first dates with Stacy. We saw him play with the Lannis before he was in the Foo Fighters. I loved that Alanis album. That was a big album for the '90s. But yeah. she was she was really you know paving some new ground then. You know her style and her songwriting, Absolutely. right? Like she had a really Flea cool was vibe. on that album. I mean, yeah, exactly. For, I mean, that was like our music too. We were all in college around that yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. So. It's like this stuff's cool. <laughs> so, Dave, um, one other thing I wanted to bring up is um, I wanted to have some fun. Something new I'm introducing to the Earth Tones show is bringing a little fun to the show by talking a little astrology. Sure. So, astrology has been something I've like loved since high school, but and I am by no means an astrologer. But since COVID, I rekindled my interest and I started taking an online course and I actually had a mentor and it was very cool. So I asked Dave, I said, hey, do you mind if I pull your chart? And he's like, sure, why not? Right. So Dave's birthday, here, let me do this. Um, I'm going to share screen. And this is great because you're, you know a lot about astrology and other yeah. than what sign I am. I don't, I, I really don't know a lot. So this is going to be fun. Be, I'm so excited. I'm is, so excited. That this is me getting educated, everybody. Really so this excited. is going to be a good time. So Dave's birthday is August 15th. He's a Leo. You share a birthday with Oscar Peterson, by the oh, way. Oh, awesome. So that's very, very cool. Because I, because the only yeah. one I've known before that was Ben Affleck. <laughs> oh, really? So is, oh, yes. me and OP. Awesome. I love Oscar Peterson. Oh yeah, I know. So, I know you're in good company. And I'm no, going to send absolutely. you I'm going to send you this from it's okay, from astrodias.com. Awesome. In fact, this is from a very um ancient website that was uh originated in Sweden. In fact, the t the tutorials on this site are this elderly man um they're really interesting you know this is a really old site i don't even know half of what it does but i've got your chart here and okay. it makes complete sense that you're a leo um for one it's a fire sign so leos um have this natural just energy about them um you know we're human beings of course we're multi um dimensional in terms of our energy but in general you've got this a lot of fire in in the leo sign um they're people who have a strong sense of self they're very passionate um they're very charismatic people which um definitely falls in line with you being um a drummer and um but also leos are people who inspire others to want to to their greatness too you know like sometimes leos will get a bad rap like oh you know center yeah. attention oh they're so dramatic but they're also they want that for everybody though this is this is my take on it um so i could definitely see you also as a teacher um like your leo personality and this is this is so wild so now you're gonna learn you knew you were a leo but this is what you're gonna learn that's new firstly um your moon sign is if you see right here yeah sagittarius so you are also a fire moon so the so your moon where the moon was in the sky the kind of the portion of sky um is supposed to be a lot of your emotional self so your sun sign is like your your kind of your basic personality it always shines like the sun 
and the moon sign is supposed to be kind of like your emotional self. So you've got fire in your moon sign as well. Um, I'm pretty familiar with the Sagittarius sign because Dorian, my youngest, he is he has five planets in Sagittarius. So Sagittariuses are like the philosopher. So that kind of intellectual side of yourself may come, we, we take a lot on from our moon sign. So you're a Sagittarius moon and um, it's in your second house. So your chart here is divided into houses and your second house has your moon in it, which is the house of values and desires. And your sun, now check this out, your sun, which is in Leo, falls in your 10th house of career legacy, which makes complete sense because that fire in your career and this 10th, this is one other thing I know, the, the, the line that separates the 10th house, which is, goes right across the middle of your chart, is called the midheaven. It's supposed to split the sky right in, right in half, is in Leo as well. So your career calling, your, your midheaven line is Leo, your sun sign is Leo in the house of career legacy, and you have your moon in the second house of desires and values that's a lot of fire very very cool so this is all this is all making sense i'm definitely is, does this resonate with you <laughs> it i know it does it does it's, it's very it's, cool it's very well, no one can see me but i'm studying this chart very intently yes he, exactly it. it's really wild because you look at it it's like all these 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 signs it's like what does this all mean and um, so basically um, you have what's called your big three. So the biggest, so here's all the planets, which would take us a long time, but um, your sun, your moon, and your rising sign. Like for me, my sun is a Capricorn. My moon is Virgo. Um, and my rising sign is Cancer. So for you, your, your rising sign is in Scorpio. This is your first house. So you have Scorpio Ascendant. So this AC here stands for Ascendant or Rising Sign. And um, Scorpios are very skilled at kind of um, understanding like the, the more rich and deeper parts of life. Um, they kind of like the esoteric. They are um, good, at, they're very loyal friends. They're good at getting things done. So the, the ascendant is what our soul calling, what we're aspiring to, um, to become. So there's a little taste of like some it. astrology. This for is you very good. Thank share. you. You're so welcome. I, I, I'm going to say mostly I'm, this. Uh, this is, this is not a bad report. Like you weren't like you're in, you're in trouble here. You're, no, you're... not at all. Not at all. <laughs> well, you know what? Every every sign has an evolved. See, that's the Sagittarius moon, like the philosopher. Um, every sign has an evolved and an unevolved version. So what we want to do is we want to try to always get to the you know to the higher calling for each of our signs. So well, Dave, let's 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 also talk about some projects that you are working with now. So you mentioned the gravel project, um, very cool stuff. Tell me, tell me what's coming up, or what are you guys up to now? The gravel. Um, yeah, we um, so the gravel project is um, band I play in, or you know, it's a it's a full on 
we're a band. We're all in it together. We've actually been playing together. You know, uh, you know Andrew, and you wow. know Jordan, sure. and you kind of you know everybody. Um, yep. And uh, we started out. I've been working with Andrew for about ten years. Um, wow. We started out just doing gigs as pros, all just kind of doing them. And he had this band. That his brother moved up. His brother was living in Charleston, South Carolina. Jordan moved up, started playing B three with the b yeah. keyboard, right? Yeah. B three and Rhodes, and he's fantastic jazz pianist yeah. as well and um we and brandon mays played so at one point the lineup was us and with brandon mays who's also an amazing drummer uh who plays percussion and sings in the band so we kind of were like yeah we just this kind of lineup settled and we all kind of committed to it and then what happened is um me i just made um some changes with some of the gigs i was doing professionally over the past few years um and um andrew and i had always been talking and he was like i really kind of want to you know devote more attention to this group and he's like you know so we kind of agreed on that and then the really kind of cool thing is we all agreed on it um before the pandemic mm. so you know we kind of all went, went all in and we're like you know basically we were all subbing out a lot and you know, Andrew was like, hey, it's great when the four of us are here, but it, it's so rare because everybody's working so much and the music's not where it could be because we're always dealing with subs and we're always learning on the fly. I mean, and don't get me wrong, it was always good. It was always a good sound, you know, but it wasn't where it could be. So yeah, um, in a very good way, um, things kind of, you know, I you had some gigs. putting out albums. And, well, and I, you know, and yeah. just even time-wise, I had things open up that I could say, you know what, I'm going to devote more time to this. And so we kind of did the opposite. Like most things start as a band. Mm -hmm. You get together with people that you like and you connect with and you have a goal musically and you write songs or you jam and yeah. you get excited and you develop a sound and some songs and some, you know. Sure. And then you go out and you start gigging and you start playing, you start creating, you know, a following or, you know, you get out there and where you live in the scene, but you what build was cool, it. Yeah. You build it. Right. Exactly. So what was cool was we had already kind of done that because we were pro, we were professionals and we'd been playing for so long. We've all been playing with a lot of different people. And so then kind of like we went backwards, then we're like, Oh, we're going to make this a band in a true sense of the word. We're going to, to write together. We're going to, you know, create the sound we want to actually sound like and then so the pandemic happened and then there were no gigs anymore yeah so it dried up and then so we were had already started this process of writing material for what would be a new album and so the cool thing was we gotten um we agreed that we you know we had no we all remember there was no real promise of anything for a little while we're it's like true. What, what is going to come back and what's going to look like so we were like well we should we should keep going with this and we rented a rehearsal space so we'd all get together with masks on mm -hmm. rent they rented a rehearsal space and um uh we wrote we would get together and write and we were writing this material and we were getting looking at the set list we had looking at the material we had already done and really kind of uh exchanging ideas a lot because everybody was home exchanging ideas of yeah. what we wanted to sound like um, what I, helps you stay creative? Is it the getting together and inspiring each other? 
Yeah, well, I think it's the playing. But then what was cool about the pandemic is I know for me personally, I had a lot of time to practice and delve into, you know, it was like the first time since I was like 22, I went that long without playing a gig or having to prep for a gig. Right. So um, I really just started practicing and getting into what I, how I like, you know, kind of felt good in some ways that you could get in there and play the stuff you wanted to, to play. Yeah. And bring that like, cause remember when you were younger, you would come into a band and, and you were like, this is how I want to play. Mm-hmm. But when you've been playing professionally for 20 years, you're like, yeah, you wouldn't think of it. Cause you're like, there's, you know, someone's going to tell you to not play that or, right. or it's going to be too loud or it's going to be too busy or it's, so right. there was none of that. It was just all creative. So what, what we did is we, came up with a lot of stuff that was like part based, you mm-hmm. know? So Andrew would spin an idea off of me and instead of just saying, Oh, I'll groove to her to play a groove to it. I said, okay, well, here's what the groove is, but I would actually, you know, kind of create the part and everybody did that. Right. So we, we came up with material we were really happy with. So we, we ended up, um, you know, we kind of demoed it ourselves in the rehearsal space. And then uh, we went to Q division and did a couple sessions. Oh, it's a nice and- studio. Yeah, so we were able to actually make this album, and then uh, we came out of the pandemic with the album that we actually finally released this February. What's so we, what's what's that album called? It's called Many Miles Ahead, and we just released it in February. It's available um, physically. It's available on vinyl, which we're really pumped about. Eight songs is on Sweet. vinyl, and then we have a CD, which has got three three extra bonus tracks. So it's eleven songs. And then you can stream this on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music. So the Gravel Project, Many Miles Ahead, you can find that album. And um, Super cool. I'm going to leave all that info um, below in the show notes too. Great. And so we've been gigging pretty hard, right? Um, when the pandemic ended, we were ready to go. And then um, so we do, um, we have a couple shows coming up this month, the 22nd in Framingham here in Mass. With uh, We're going to be on a bill with Ghosts of Jupiter which are great friends of the band and one of our favorite bands. They're super cool, super, super creative cool. band. Where, are you, where uh, are you guys playing in Framia? Fireseed Arts. Which oh, is, yeah. You can look that up. Um, Patino Vasquez uh, from Los Sugar Kings. And uh, that's kind of, he curates that. And it's also very, Great very, space. Very Such cool a cool place. space with like original yes. artwork everywhere. Absolutely, yes. And then, oh, I'd um, love to check it out. Yeah, and that's Friday the 22nd, and then the same bill goes up to the Stone Church in Newmarket, New Hampshire, the next night. So it goes to Jupiter. The 23rd. Yeah, we're opening. And then we're that show again is going to be in Providence, Rhode Island on May 14th at Askew. So there's three three, um, shows we're kind of pumped about. And then we're going to be the Gravel Project. We do a weekly gig um, at Revolution Hall in Lexington, uh, one to four every Sunday. And then we've got a couple shows this summer that we're excited about. We're going to be, we're going to be opening for the Spin Doctors. Do you remember them? Oh, my God. That's amazing. Yes. Uh, June 17th. At, um, Where's that going to be? That's going to be in Manchester, New Hampshire at Anheuser-Busch um, Arena uh, oh. or, or brewery. But this is oh. – so we're kind of pumped. Speaking of 90s and music we were into in college with Alanis Morissette, the Spin Doctors. Yes. Were, were oh, my God. That. So, exactly. Oh, and that's going to be good. And then the summer, um, we were doing a record release show that got canceled this February up at Theater in the Woods in New Hampshire, July 15th. 
Uh, we're also playing at um, Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion on the side stage on July 2nd, Saturday. That's the Tedeschi Trucks Band Show. So we're playing the before and after wow, very cool. on the side. Yes, we're excited about that. We've done that the last two summers. Actually, no, the last su last summer and then mm -hmm. 2019, because 2020 it didn't Before happen. COVID. Oh, yeah. Right. right. So right. Um, that's an amazing opportunity, and we always have a blast there. So that's what's coming up. And, um, super cool good yeah. stuff man i gotta come check out a show yeah please you'd love it and then um uh the other project i have going on is as3 which is with andrew stern on guitar uh, yes on guitar yeah great uh, guitar player great yeah. versatile uh creative and uh, brad barrett on bass and um, we kind of fell into a, a similar thing a few years back where we were doing um we're kind of doing jazz gigs, you know, like the beehive that Andrew was booking. And, um, he kind of instantly, we, we hit it off and he was like, we, we need to make a record. And we did, um, that was in 2017, a record called bright angel that's on Bandcamp. Oh, it, and then, um, we do, uh, we've been doing kind of a, every other month thing at the lily pad and we, or the midway, we try and play once a month mm -hmm. on, um, a, a usually a very creative bill we've done it with clear audience and fully celebrated orchestra and um nice. jim hobbs and jim hobbs and oh, i yeah. when i saw him talked about oh. um sudbury <laughs> nice school. oh so, great sax because he saw me he's like i know he's you awesome. and i'm like i know you too and uh we were like sudbury and, oh um, that's good he's got great he's got a great sound like so oh, unique such a great great voice yeah. so um and then we released a record um called 2020 in 2020 oh so that's on, that's on Bandcamp. so you can find as3 Bandcamp. so um, 2020 yeah as okay as3 on Bandcamp. Yeah, all right so well dave thank you so oh, much thank you for, for having me on the show I, it has been I had a blast. so great to talk with you absolutely it's so much fun and, and i learned i learned so much you know so. Yeah, man. Hey, I'll, if you ever want to follow up reading, let me know. There's there's a lot in your chart that's really really interesting. I had a blast pulling yeah. it, pulling it I, up I, I, today. Well, thank you everyone for tuning into Earth Tones. See you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>